Worcester man at heart with the cold steely stare that no evildoer's heart could bear. But his version of justice belongs behind the swinging saloon doors of the past. Within the law, your match may be a draw. Let him loose, and your neck's in a noose. You'll get your story when he hits his quota. A dozen dead dealers dead on the border. So, of course, as always, poetry hour with me, Griff. And uh, did you just freestyle that? No, we oh. wish I did. <laughs> this uh, this movie is very inspirational, and uh, first, very of the time too. Very of the time. <laughs> topical. I don't know what happened there, but I was inspired. I wrote that. It's a nice little poem there. It's going to be in the book of uh, Merman Productions poetry that's coming out next year. It's, you can pre-order it on Amazon. There's one poem in it, but by the time it's done, there will be three. But um, yeah, it's always. I've already put it on my wish list. <laughs> a smart move. I wrote it, and uh, yeah, but I also have a copy of that ordered because we got to boost those numbers. Anyways, with you as always on uh, Glow and Globus Theater is myself, Griff, and Tim. Hello. And uh, we're all very excited today because, uh, you know, we, we all know the... Uh, this atro- is like a, called like a makeup game in baseball. It really is. The, we had the atrocity of the first uh, uh, Charles Bronson movie, and we're going to make it up here today. And boy, have we ever. This this is a pretty goddamn good movie. This is the one we should have let off with. I really wish we did. Um, uh, we've already gone into reasons why we ended up selecting the other movie and why we were wrong about it. But whatever. Yeah, this go is, listen to episode two if you want to hear the explanation. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but th- th- this movie's incredibly topical. I We weren't anticipating that. We just we watched the trailer this time. I, I think all Golden Globus movies are eternal. You know, they... Yeah. They speak to the human psyche. There's really not enough consideration given to them. Like, people are always like, oh, look at these David Lynch movies. Let's think about what he's thinking about. No one looks at a Golden Globus movie and says, like, holy shit, what were they trying to tell us? Because this movie had a very important message that uh, went completely by the wayside. And I'll get into that later when we start getting kind of more into it, but... Uh, for right now, I mean, you anything else to top off before we get into this trailer? No, let's just get into the movie. Let's this, get, like, like every good classic movie, this title has absolutely fuck all to do with the movie. <laughs> hey. <laughs> but it's still pretty great. And that movie is Charles Bronson's Ten to Midnight. A sensational crime. An airtight alibi. We can't lay a finger on this guy. And a chain of evidence. Bring him in. Charles Bronson is a cop looking for a killer. And he's running out of time. Go ahead. Take me in. You can't punish me. When the guilty go free. I just got to be everybody. The system is the crime. I want a killer and what I want comes first. Well, how come I've never heard him mention a daughter? It seldom crosses his mind that he has one. He's one angry man with someone to protect. How long you with your father? I argue with that. He can make a difference. You like hurting girls? I won't answer that. Girls won't have anything to do with you, but you get back at them, don't you? <gasps> I won't listen to your filth. Uh, Look, man, I'm here. Gotta remind you about evidence obtained under duress. 
It's inadmissible, Leo. We got no evidence and we can't hold this kid. He's our man, Captain. I'm gonna get him. Found some blood. He's lying. There was no blood on my clothes and he knows it. How do you plead, Warren? Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. The last thing I want to do is get involved with a cop. Well, I don't blame you. Leo, I went back to the lab and I talked to the technician. And I asked him if you... Why didn't you ask me? Is that true, Lieutenant? You planted the evidence? You know why. We could nail them sooner or later. After counting how many more dead. Liar! He had to be stopped. After all the evidence is in, he'll reach his own verdict and execute the sentence by the deadline. When there is no justice, this man is the law. Ten to midnight. Charles Bronson. Lisa Eilbacher and Andrew Stevens in a Golan Globus production of a J. Lee Thompson film, 10 to Midnight. So now we're all super stoked about this movie because that trailer, do you even remember what was in it? I don't remember what's in it. All I remember it was said right in the beginning, a Golan Globus production. Golan. So and that, I, you were sold. I was that's sold. all I need to hear. That's all I need well, to hear. Well, you know, we, we've never really talked about this, but going over these trailers... I don't care how shitty the movie is. I get hyped every... That's a lost art, like the trailer voiceover. Like, do you ever hear that in a trailer anymore? I don't know about the voiceover, um, but certainly nothing gets me more hyped than a Golden Globus uh, trailer. And I go to a lot of these new movies... And I get infuriated by all the trailers I have to watch. They don't incite that It's like a half an same. hour. It's like, It no. really is. I had the perfect situation the other day when I went to go see Deadpool 2 where I showed up 15 minutes late. I walked in. The last trailer had cut off, and the movie was coming. I was like, I'm in heaven. That's amazing that after 15 minutes, you, the trailer's end. Yeah, I know. See, it literally <laughs> feels like a half an hour. I know. I think I when mean. I saw A Quiet Place, it was literally a half an hour, and I checked my fucking phone because I didn't care. <laughs> I'm that I'm I was in the back. No one saw my phone. So I don't have to feel too bad about it. You're forgiven. Thanks for forgiving me. You're the saint of uh cinema theater patrons. Um so let's just go ahead and jump right in. We have uh this movie gave us, you know, Golden Globus likes to give you uh, only a few characters, and I'm fine with that. This isn't Charles Dickens, this is fucking Golden Globus. We just need a few characters to focus on. And, uh, well, you got your hero, yeah, your villain, yup, your partner of the hero, yes, and a and loved need, one. Somebody, yeah, that... we need some kind of loved one. And my problem with Bronson's always that he's this eighty-year-old man, but he's, he's got... always looked like he was eighty. You yeah, can't it's blame true, him for it's that. true. But still, I'm gonna blame him for that. He's got a wispy little mustache. He's got the leather face that somehow, like his skin stays tight to his chin. He doesn't have any neck fat. He had surgery, is all I'm trying to say. He was trying to keep it real. He was worried about that. Anyways. I don't, I don't, I don't believe it. <laughs> I think he just had a naturally craggy face. Okay. okay. Dude was ripped for like an old man. I'm sorry, he was. Okay. okay. So, I, right. I, I have my problems with Bronson, and half the time, like, I, I enjoy watching his movies, but half the time, it's just this renegade cop who goes outside of the law usually on some kind of, like, hell-raged uh, uh, tyrant uh, to defend his family's honor, to avenge his wife well, I mean, or his daughter. Or... Right from jump, right before even the credits, they basically explain what Charles Bronson's all about. What is he all about? Well... In this movie. Well, in this, well, in, it's basically every, every movie. Every movie. But uh starts out, he's in the precinct, he's uh, typing, 
just with his two index fingers, like like a real man would do. Because what real man knows how to tie? You know, I I I. That, I I've chummed around with some other classmates, and I actually Charles Bronson uh, had a sponsored typing program to learn how to type. That's what my school could afford, so that's how I learned to type. I how I, I type. I work, I'm a real man. But. I work in the fucking computer industry. Like I, I, I have yeah. to code all day, and I do it one finger at a time. I like just a look man. up porn on the internet, sure. so that's all <laughs> I needed. So two fingers. So More than enough. When my friends say Mavis Beacon, I'm like, who the fuck's that? Charles Bronson's who I learned to type from. And then I found out he was a movie actor. It was really weird. It's really weird for me. He was a, he was a renaissance man. So this character in this film, I mean. Well, he, he lays it out for you right from the jump. He's like a, like a sleazy reporter. He's like, hey, you got any dirt on this and that? And he just turns to the guy and goes, I'm a mean, selfish son of a bitch. <laughs> and that's all you need to know, basically. That's what... Bronson is in this movie. I mean, well, he's not selfish, he, but he's a mean son of a bitch. He really kind of wasn't selfish. He ends up kind of hanging himself out there to dry. Um, well, he's, he's like a, he's the classic world weary cop. He's just seen it all. He's been yeah. there, done that. He's got you know he's estranged from his daughter because he's all about his job. He is all about the job and trying to make uh, the world a better place. Or at least he's, his he's, small world. He's like, well, like Jesus. He's sacrificing himself to make the world a better place. Of course, his daughter's not too thrilled about it, but well, he doesn't. Yeah. He's just concerned about you know making the city safer for her. So, exactly. She doesn't get that. She doesn't. It, the the, she the doesn't. biggest problem with Lori, his daughter, is is that she doesn't understand. She's the mirror image of her dad. Yeah. Like she's got that same. Tough talk, takes she, no shit from people. She really is. But she doesn't see it. And so she resents her dad, but it, it's like, you are your dad. Right. You know, because if, instead of being a cop, she's a nurse. She helps people in her way, too. Yeah. Know? And, I mean, again, Bronson's been on the force for probably 49 years because he's 87 or something. So he's seen a lot, and this is 83, so we're going back to, like, the 40s. According to my math. Yeah, he arrested Al Capone. <laughs> he arrested Al Capone. Uh, but he's just, he's always just super weathered by the job, and he's just like, the justice system doesn't work. He's like, like, you just don't know what I've seen. All of his movies, like in the Golan uh, uh, canon, uh, canon, canon, um, are basically him seeing too much, knowing that the law is going to let people slip by, right. and he's just like, fuck it. I'm going to solve this. I I have to. The buck stops here. Right. He was alive during that presidency, so I think it works. He's like, actually probably was. uh, (laughs) Yeah, he's just like, I got to take the law into my own hands. Yeah. Because this wussy, liberal court system where we're just letting people (laughs) in and out of court, people are murdering, they get two days in jail. You've got to get evidence. You've got to get some kind of You don't need evidence when you've got the seventh sense. The seventh sense that that Charles Bronson has. To know who is guilty and who is innocent just by looking at them. And I think he loses that seventh sense if he just shaves down that wispy mustache to the nice bare flesh that it should be because he shouldn't have it and i thought it was really funny that they casted wilford brimley in this movie totally wasted by the way totally wait he's got about seven (laughs) moments and they accumulate to maybe three minutes if that yeah but you do like this trope (laughs) turn in your badge and gun (laughs) wilford brimley is the chief 
True, he, but he was he. Well, one thing he was missing was he wasn't screaming. He needed to scream. No, he, he was the, he was like the wolf of, chill wolf. Of he was the cowboy. He was like the cowboy from the Big Lebowski. He was very chill about. It. Was well, because like, you know, like well, even though. I bet Wilford Brimley was 20 years younger than Bronson at the time. He still looked Probably. as old as Bronson. <laughs> and you could tell he'd seen a lot of shit. Yeah. But he had to kind of, you know, he had to cut corners kind of to get to be promoted. Yeah. He had to, like, play by the party line. So he knows, like, yep. sometimes you need people like Bronson to take care of shit. So he didn't he, want to fire him, but he's like, fuck, I have no choice. He was the type of uh, chief who would, like, punish him in front of everybody. But I mean, then it, uh, behind closed doors, he was like, I'm really upset with that you, and I'm nodding right now as if I was Wilford Brimley in this movie. I've got the near Wilford Brimley mustache. I don't quite have the lip presence he has, but I have near the mustache please. as that man. Just let's go ahead and Your keep mustache this. mustache is slightly better than Bronson's, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> um, so, so he's fine with, and this is like in all action movies with a cop where it's like, he's like, God damn, I wish I had the balls to do what you exactly. Do. That's what it is. He's like, I got to go home to my wife and kids. Bronze is just like, what wife and <laughs> what wife? And, I can't do it. What wife <laughs> what? and kids. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, Bronson, which is all, which all sets up the whole drama between him and Lori because yeah. that's his, was his attitude. It, but what, but, but as always, when you have the renegade cop, you have to have the by the book partner. And that was, that character is Paul McCann, his wide eyed rookie cop. Who's just like, yep. Hey man, we got to follow the. We, we're better than the the scum that we pick up. Yeah. and rest every day. We we meet him on the first eventual murder scene, and of course he's a rookie. He's not. He's not. He's not very uh, in 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 the moment. He should, He spits out his gum on the ground, and that's how we meet him because Bronson's just. What's it a crime scene? He spits out his. Yeah, gum. that's it's what like, I said. Is like, that the first the crime fuck? scene? Yeah, and so Bronson's picking it up like, oh, here we got some evidence here. That th- I know you thought Charles Bronson <laughs> stepped out of the grave and into our studio slash my kitchen slash my living room slash this is a piece of shit. Um, but that was actually me. And uh, Bronson, of course, gives his new partner, which we didn't know he was his partner at the time. Well, you know, it's also funny for a cop that's constantly cutting corners like Bronson. Yeah, it's really? kind of funny to be like all up on his ass. Yeah. He dropped a piece of gum. So, of course, he just throws the gum in the guy's pocket. He's like, chew on this. Yeah. Chew on. He stuffs it in his pocket. It's just chew on. And then you get to see that funny scene of Paul trying to get the gum out. (laughs) That needed the. (laughs) So, you got your hero. You got your, your loved one. You got your partner. That leaves the villain. And boy, is this a villain. This is a villain for the ages. This is the villain for these exact ages. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I'm, Griff, I don't I, – the reason I have you around is I'm officially an old person. And I don't know about these buzzwords. These, so I'm usually the last person to hear, like, when someone's – when a word's basically played out and tired. And the word I have to call this, this villain is incel. Yeah. He's involuntarily celibate. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's made – very clear, and uh, I, I was really disappointed. Uh, I, I, I love to go through and look at. It's very easy to find 
um, some like news clippings of people reviewing the movie, and this is a movie that I found like several news clippings from, and people are just panning it. Roger Ebert, this is the filth of the earth. This is why we can't have good things. This is why Jesus won't talk to us anymore. I was like, Roger, calm down. Why do you really? go to movies if you're not just going to have, you know, like step away from life, just see kind of a portrayal. This is a sick human. He's very much an incel. Well, show, a, tell how sick the guy is. He has a poster of himself in a karate <laughs> gi hanging in his apartment. He's so sick that he's got a poster of himself. How fucked are you to, like, I have to take a picture of myself in a karate gi, make and, it into a poster, <laughs> yes. and then hang it in my own apartment? And they made that very clear. <laughs> You see his apartment yes. maybe three times, and there's three minutes of footage of just him and his poster <laughs> in the karate. I love that. I was like, oh, maybe that's going to come up again at some point? That he's No, because this movie's all about foreshadowing that never pays off. Yeah, and his partner all the time. He's like, my dad's a social psychologist at a, commu- at a college. Never comes up again. Smoking, and they make a big deal about that. Never comes up again. So this movie is just the king of that, but obviously the villain he plays a bigger role. So at least some of the stuff with him comes up again. Well, this is yeah, this is the anti foreshadowing because right from the the jump we know just by that fucking poster. I mean, this guy's fucked. This guy yeah. is a killer. I don't even he hasn't killed anybody yet, but he's gonna kill somebody. He's a killer. Yeah, and I I mean this is like your Columbo, one of my favorites. I love watching Columbo. They give you the Columbo opening to this movie. And so we get that nice scene. Do you want to tell us about... I mean, you already told us about Bronson typing. That's the opening scene of this movie. Just Bronson typing and... Hey, I'm a son of a bitch. <laughs> self-mean, selfish son <laughs> of a bitch. And then we get the introduction we should have had, which is, you know, the, the cold opening of... Uh, the... Uh, murder getting out to commit his first murder and again in the Columbo way we follow it as the audience and we see uh warren the uh the villain set up the most perfect crime perfect crime and i i mean what how would you think the perfect how would you how do you set up an alibi the biggest problem with murder is getting blood spattered on you so what do you do? Well, you just kill people naked. I mean... Right? I'm still curious about how to build an alibi. Obviously, I know about getting naked part. That's obvious. But how do you build an alibi? Go to the movies. Oh, but you probably should be seen, right? How do you get... Well, right. You, you act as obnoxious as possible. Okay. And, you know, you so, harass, sexually harass some women... Okay, so so probably don't sit at the back where you're just kind of to yourself. You want me to get in there and really bother people? Right. Well, you, you make a beeline for the hottest chick in the theater and go, okay. hey, how about we start boning? You know, yeah. or some, some smooth line like that, which turns them off. And then you go, ah, you probably are lesbians. And then you go sit in the back. Yeah. Like... Something like, uh, your legs are like AC. Why don't I be my way in there? Smooth as silk. Smooth as silk. That was, that was on the spot. And this is, this is also what really hits home that whole incel shit is that, 
All right, there are these two girls. Yeah. One's like the you know the hot one, and then the other one who's supposed to be like the ugly friend who is totally fine. Totally fine. Like she was an attractive girl. It's just they didn't doll her up to the extent where like tits and ass were hanging out. Right. And she's totally in. She's buying this guy's yeah. bullshit. She's totally into him, but he's like. Fuck that. I don't want... I want the hot chick. Yeah. It's like, lower your expectations, dude. Or just talk to people further than just, I'm gonna fuck your friend. But we've built up this alibi. So now there's this movie. We watched the whole movie, right? I watched most of it. No. (laughs) I'm asking (laughs) for the alibi. You watch most of the movie, or do you leave pretty early in the movie... Oh, you're talking I'm about the movie about the, and the movie. Movie, the movie within the movie. movie. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> I watched all of it. Look, we're building alibis. Columbo's on our trail, Murray. We got to build a good alibi. So we've got these girls. We've got the ticket lady. We've got the girls. We should probably leave this movie and commit our crime, Well, right? no, you just go, excuse me. I have to use the bathroom. Yeah, okay. So you go in the bathroom. Conveniently, there's a window in the bathroom. Okay, that's smart. Jump out of there, Just rush to your right car, because you know where this fucking bitch is that you got to kill because she dared to not go out with you. I mean, she threw coffee in his face, so... Well, come on, Griff. All he did was unzip the back of her shirt. I mean, come oh, on. Shit. That's not... That's, a, that's cool, isn't it? So, clearly... So he's like, I gotta kill this bitch. So he knows... And then, of course... Uh, her boyfriend picks her up in his sweet van, so you know it's like, it's like how, how about buying a van? The old conversion dude? van with the ladder and right. shit. Oh, that's like that's God. like a serial killer van. You yeah. should have stole the van. He probably so, he, so he, I, I, did they mention they were going to fuck in the woods? Uh, they they don't bring that up. You just know that he knows, and okay. we end up there, which is fine. I don't I don't need to know these details. So he so he goes there, and I mean I kind of gave this away earlier, but his perfect plan is. I'm going to get naked so no blood will get on me. Yeah. So, well, he has rubber gloves on because he doesn't want your fingerprints. Yeah. But he's stark naked. He doesn't even keep his shoes on. No. He's pretty baller because he's in a forest. He's in a forest. Yeah, they're in the woods. So, so in mid-fuck, he rips open the van door, starts stabbing the dude. Chick has the presence of mind to run. Yeah, she gets So uh, we get a lot of, we got a nudity here. It's a Golden Globe of staple. You gotta have some gratuitous there nudity. Are so many boobs in this movie, but a lot, a lot of butt with a lot of dude butt. And I mean, so it balanced out. He was a shapely young man. We don't see his dick. I'm not trying to say he has a dong or hanging out <laughs> or anything. I just mean well, he shapely. does, but we don't see it. Yeah, yeah. I just mean shapely that he was. He was a very I fit guy. You, yeah, yeah. Yes, he was. He could he could have been in the cast of Say by the Bell, and people would have been swooning over him. But instead, he was cast in this movie. Where now people think he's a creep. So he chases the girl, stabs the fuck out of her, kills her. Rushes back to the movie theater just in time. Because he makes sure to see a real long movie. Because that's what you got to do. You see, see Butch Chastity and the Sundance Kid is what they see. That's a long movie. Yeah. And he jumps in the seat. He's like, the perfect crime. He nails Smug the motherfucker. Alibi. He's like, Columbo's not going to figure this shit out. And of course... When they get up, he talks to the girls again and makes his presence known. And why don't we get a drink? And the, the other girls totally into it. Pretty, He's like, "Back off, bro." The hot eighties girls, like, I don't know. Usually, it's isn't it usually the hot one who's kind of like, "I'm an idiot." She was the one with the wherewithals. That it was the lesser friend <laughs> who is like, "Let's get in his pants. Let's jump him and just fuck him." So. 
But I, I want to point out that that first like whole murder setup when you when you finally see it because he I think he pops up in the window of the van and you just see that he's not wearing a shirt and then he's completely nude that fucking that was chilling to me. Yeah, I didn't know. I that was I didn't know enough. at the time. I thought that was part of like his sexual thing. Yeah, I thought it was completely sexual. But it could. I'm sure there were elements of that. But yeah, I think mainly it was he didn't want to get. He was such an idiot genius that he didn't want to get blood on his clothing. Yeah. But he could have just thrown the clothing away that he had. You went idiot genius. Like I immediately just thought about. I mean, uh, we're both fans of the Venture Brothers series. And there's an episode where the, uh, Brock Samson is naked just killing people. And he just said, you know, I think that, A, they borrowed this idea of naked killing. And Brock was all about, like, he said after he was addressed, why are you naked? To prey on their fear. Move like an animal. To feel the kill. That could be. Uh-huh. I think he was all into this. I mean, Warren, he's a sick fuck. Sickest motherfucker I've ever seen. And so he thinks that he is com- he is uh, fa- fabricated. Smug motherfucker. He's like a perfect crime. Yeah, he's fabricated the Colombo proof crime, and um, to the point where he actually shows up to the girl's funeral. Yeah, we get to the funeral. He's standing there because, of course, isn't that what victim or uh, uh, villains always do, or the murderer always does? He wants to see. Right. What effect it has on people. Laugh at the f- yeah. family. And we get to... And, of course, the- like a good cop, Paul, Leo, which is Bronson's character's name, Leo Kessler, shows up. Yep. Show his respect. You just got him. But it also happened to be a f- friend, acquaintance of Laura. Uh, yes, it was, a f- it was a friend of his daughter's. So, so-, so Lori's there, too. And she meets... She, she does a little meet-cute with Paul. The, the, yeah. Uh, and you can tell, like... There's some, there's like, there's definitely an attraction. They're checking each other out, but, but as like in all movies, if you really love each other, you gotta hate each other at the beginning. Oh yeah. So there's a little like back and forth. There's a little bit of dissing on like, oh, you're a cop with my dad because this is the first time supposedly she's seen her dad in years because after the mom died. Yeah. After mom died, which another point, I'm always a little disturbed by how young Bronson's wife. Is in a movie, and uh, it's sad that his wife died in this movie, but at least they didn't try to cast a 20-year-old woman to be his wife and then have a 25-year-old daughter. And another thing, his daughter's actually kind of old in it, like in her mid-20s. Well, she's I mean, got a she's career. There, yeah, she's, she's on her own. Well, no, she's in nursing school. Yeah. So I think she's supposed to be a little younger than that. But, yeah, she looked like think she so? I thought she seemed in her mid-20s. So what, you think she, like, she had like a shitty career? She's like, fuck it, I'm going to go to nursing school and... You know. No, I thought she did school and then she went into nursing school. I thought oh, she was, was still in nursing school. Oh no, I understand right. that. I thought you have to go to school and then you basically get into nursing school. No, so I thought I thought early twenties. I don't know. Why are we wasting time on Lori? She's the least important character. <laughs> so while she's talking with Paul, Leo goes to pay respects to I think her name was Betty, the victim's uh, husband, the victim's father. And he, and he's like, is there anything like yeah. you could, anything you could tell? Us? He's like, and, what, and what's he, what's he tell? He Leo? drops this nice clue on us, and this bothered me for a while. <laughs> I had to pause the movie because my jaw was on the ground, and you had to ravel that shit in. Uh, the fucking, anyways. Um, the dad tells her, oh, she had a diary. She had a date diary. 
Everything she did on a date was in that diary. It's like everything. Why does your dad know about this diary? Like they're a real di- close family. You died a day ago. Did your dad go find your diary? They don't live in the same house. So he went and found the diary and just started. Maybe she had it. a series of diaries and, and like he at read home prior ones. Yeah. Because, I, again, I believe... You assume she just up. kept it up, you know? Okay, so maybe he knew it Hey, I, the there's nothing weird about a dad reading oh. his daughter's sex Oh, shit, diary. my 18-year-old daughter fucking blew her first uh, boyfriend, and she thought it was weird, and... <laughs> that is... That is a good piece of evidence that our hero managed to dig out. Because and who so else smart. is hearing this? Why our villain? Oh, he just happens to be eavesdropping, and he's like, Oh, fuck! I gotta get that diary. So, I mean, the only way to do that, he already knows the address because he knows everything. He's very smart. But very, very stupid. But very stupid. And also, always hot. So he's gotta get down to nudities. He's gotta well, down. yeah, he goes to the apartment and he's like furiously trying to get this, this locked uh, drawer open because he knows that's gotta be, the diary's gotta be in there. What else would you put in a locked drawer? Well, for such a fucking smart guy, <laughs> he's checking everything in the house first and then the last place he checks it's, it's always a, the last place you look the last place you look so is wh- her bedroom in a little locked drawer so while he's feverishly doing that betty i believe her name was her her uh her roommate karen shows up yeah. he's like oh shit so he runs into to the closet and hides and while he's hiding of course because we have to put more nudity into the movie it is a golden globus movie after all it's not Karen, nudity. Well, yeah, but it's implied nudity. She's like it she's is. getting ready for a shower. It's basically like a swimsuit. It's so like he's lingerie like, swimsuit. So he's deal. like, I gotta kill this bitch. Time to get naked. Yeah. So he rips off his clothes, jumps out of the closet, kills her. I mean, they're California. It's kind of hot there, and they, he was wearing a suit, so maybe he was just overheating. No, I think it's just part of his mo. You know, yeah, that's a good point. So then, and then he gets, then he finally gets that fucking drawer open there's a box that says my diary opens the box it's empty oh where could it be well leo's got it of course wait detective leo leo kessler you're fucking kidding he's always one step ahead of these guys He's been through this before. This he's seen kid shit. is so smart. Not as smart as Leo. He's Castle. a karate master. Does he have a seventh sense though? Oh, you know what? He doesn't have a seventh sense. That's what's fuck. Leo's that whiskey. You think mustache. this is the first time Leo's dealt with a naked serial killer? This is probably the fifth in his career. He's been he's been a cop for like fifty years. So Leo's got the diary. That means he's read the diary with every date. I have a feeling that Warren and this girl who ended up dead ended up on a date together, and she wrote about it. You'd be right. I, holy fuck, too much Columbo. I the the clues just come to me. So they go. They go to Warren's apartment. Oh yeah. Him and Paul. Yeah. And they're like, let's. I mean. Leo already knows the guy's guilty, but yeah, like he's Columbo. like, all right, all right, Paul, I'll go along, get evidence, and yeah. all that shit. Again, the Colombo angle. Colombo always knows. Within 10 minutes, Colombo knows. And he just try to, tries to bait it out of them. Like, well, this is basically them. what they try to do here. They, yeah, exactly. They start talking, you know, just feeling them out. 
trying to get his guard down. Simple questions. Hey, you, you got a nice apartment here. How long you been here? You got a lot of plants. You keep them well. You got a green thumb there. You know, just trying to softball. Well, yeah, like, lull them into hey, a false sense of security. We know you're not you're not guilty. Yeah, we here. Just had a couple questions. That's you know, all. it's procedure. So exactly. I'm Bronson. I think I gotta go pee real quick. Do you mind if hey, I use you your mind bathroom? if I use your bathroom? Thank you. He's like, sure. So of course, Bronson's not using the bathroom. He does the old play where you turn on the faucet, make it look like you're doing, like you're washing your hands for ten minutes. Not taking a horrible shit. No, he's well. No, he's he's doing something horrible. He's flipping the the bathroom, looking for incriminating evidence, and boy, does he find it. Oh, he finds. I thought it was a hair dryer. He finds a device. I'm not going to get into it right now because it plays a important part later on. But he finds a device and he finds a, a magazine of gay porn. And, uh, and if you're, of course, if you're familiar with any '80s movie, if you're gay in the '80s, you're a serial killer. Basically, that was the mentality back then. It was a, uh, like I'm just going to go ahead and throw out. That's an unfortunate plot point to put in there. Like gay people are frustrated to the point where they're murdering people. No, I think that was it was, it was a homophobic era. I'm just yeah. talking about the whole era. It was just like, hey, man. Case closed. Like, yeah. I just... Exhibit A. Like, he seriously has really no evidence on this guy outside of the diary where the girl's upset about him. And he's like, this is, this is my guy. <laughs> so, while he's doing yeah, his searching, <laughs> Paul's covering for him. He notices this... Uh, this will play a key point later on in the, in the movie. He notices a uh, bullfighting poster. And uh, Paul goes, he's like, huh, it says Corita de Toros. What, what does that mean? And then, and then of course, because he's a classic incel, he's got to, like, lord it over people, his oh, knowledge yeah. of anything. And he's like, it's Spanish for bullfighting. Oh, man. He is such a smug shit. He is, like, man. I just, I, fuck, who cares if he killed anyone or not? Just put him in jail. It's it's just it's so unfortunate um, how the how, how these people turn out where it's just like they end up hating women to the point where they're murdering them and again that just kind of goes back to our incel uh, problems today where we just had an incel involvement. But before we go too far into that, well, what happens is while they're interviewing. Uh, Warren, the, the, well, the I killer. W- I want to bring us to this interview because, again, Bronson well, already knows. Right. So, I mean, he's Well, what happens while they're man. there, they get a call on their policeman radio that, oh. about the roommate who was murdered. Yeah. So, like, Warren's like, oh, shit, you know. Right. I just mur- I, that out. was a trick I just murdered. And, and uh, so they're like, yeah, okay, we, we'll see you later. You're, you're fine. Bronson's trying to top off his upper deck. So while they're like, <laughs> while they're leaving, he's like, Bronson already has it in his head. This guy did it. Just oh, the no. gay porn makes all I needed and yeah. the weird device. He's watched too much Columbo. So he's like, We're, we got to bring this guy in. Yeah, thank you. So Bronson does probably the – this interrogation is so great that – I mean, Griff and I are going to actually do a reenactment of it because it was uh, so pitch perfect, like how to get somebody to confess. So anybody listening, if you want somebody to, like, you know somebody did, something, did you wrong, like your girlfriend cheated on you, your boyfriend cheated on you, and you want to get them, this is a script you do. Okay. I got to get in the character. 
I can do anything <clears throat> but Bronson. Me, 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 me. Yes, I, for, I will be playing. I don't want to get into typecasting, but I'll be playing Charles, the hero, Charles Bronson. Griff, of course, will be playing the sex deviant killer. I'm going to be playing Warren. four characters in this. Here we go. When's the last time you made it with a girl, Warren? That's none of your business. Last week? Last month? Last year? I refuse to answer. Never? Never, because girls won't have anything to do with you. But you get back at them. Betty and Karen and God knows how many more. I won't listen to your filth. Warren, do you recognize this? Leo, knock it off. Ever seen one of these? What's it for? Cat got your tongue? It's for shacking off, isn't it? In these pictures, you recognize the girls, Warren? Look at them! Look at them, Warren! Look at them! Stop it! And scene. Oh, god damn it. I don't know how I uh, incorporate my own vessel after that. It's just acting. It's... That was fucking intense, dude. Oh. That, that was... My windows are fogged. Whew. I don't know what to say. Now, you think right there you just confess. Yeah. But, by the way, that, that if you didn't pick up on it, the device we were talking about earlier was his jacking machine. Which, it was a totally, let's get into this for a second. It was the weirdest, <laughs> look, I had a friend who 20 years ago worked in an adult bookstore. Okay, yeah. So I've seen a lot of these things. I've, this was like the most complicated, weirdest contraption. I thought it was a hair dryer when he pulled it out in the yeah. bathroom. It was like, <laughs> what did you think it was? You you sent me a picture, and you were just like, oh, man, you got, you're got going to be excited to see that. Uh, so I see this picture, and I was like, what is that, some kind of, like, muffled handgun type of thing? Because it's got, like, a handle for a gun on it, and then it's got, like, this giant cylinder. And, and so then there's, was, like, this rubber attachment at the y- end. Yeah, you could see, like, when, when I went back and looked, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, there is, like, a little bit... And so I was like, okay, okay, that's definitely like some kind of silencer. I, we watched the trailer because we wanted to make sure we didn't have another episode we had to miss because Bronson's solving fucking sex, child sex crimes. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 I knew this guy was, like, killing people. So I thought it was a silencer. I thought he used a gun. I didn't realize he used the knife and the nudity. And uh, Wow. You know? Yeah. Wow. It was it was weird. I and it definitely is something a serial killer would use. This is again. This goes into that weird territory I'm in with Bronson. I think it's probably good that that guy had his little <laughs> sexual device to get off his frustration on. But at the same time, it clearly, he was getting his frustration off on other things. Like I, I don't think Bronson should be you know trying to get this guy convicted of a crime just because he has a little fucking jerk off machine. But. Doesn't that kind of make you guilty? I mean, clearly, gay like magazines that, and uh, sex machines. Well, we, I mean, in the gay mag- Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about the gay magazine so much as that machine was just. That's only a psychopath would you use. You already that. convicted him because of the <laughs> sex magazines. No, in the I'm 80s. I'm saying that was the mentality back then. You're putting I words. Oh, I'm not trying to say today's age. No. You're convicting him. You can totally have gay porn now. I don't. I'm, Nobody I'm cares. Well, some people do, but. 90% of us but don't. Nobody who listens so, to this podcast cares. I really am concerned now because we get to learn too much about uh, Leo's diet. 
and it consists of quiche and coleslaw. Oh, you're talking about the scene where he tries to reconnect with his daughter? Yeah, and he's just, they're going, they're, they're at, in a hospital cafeteria. Hospital, and that's just like an assembly line food where you just grab what you want right. to eat. So he's like, he picks up like a piece of pie, a little coleslaw, gets ready to pay, and his, his, his daughter's like, uh... You eat quiche? And he goes, quiche? I eat quiche. I thought this was a piece of pie. <laughs> and I, and then, and coleslaw makes me sick. I'm... And then he walks away, and then he goes back, and you know, it's, he gets uh, he gets a piece of chicken, and he uses a fork and knife on it. Does he? Yeah, it's like, it was like a chicken leg. I didn't That's know how classy. It. You see, it took him so long to pick out his new food, and that's how, like, uh... Paul and his daughter end up kind of like connecting a little bit and talking right. a little bit, and so it, it's going to lead us into another another gray area. Well, first she mentioned, I think, yeah, she mentioned she got an obscene phone call, mm-hmm. which coincidentally, the first girl got an obscene phone call. It's true, and the thing that that made them uh, the same was. The person was speaking in Spanish and a Spanish accent. He had a little Spanish accent to it. And so that, of course, tingles uh, Leo's seventh sense. He's like, hmm, sounds weird. Oh, yeah, Leo comes back at that point. Yeah. Yeah, he comes back with his chicken because he, he doesn't get any quiche. Yeah, that's right. So while well, we mentioned that, so Paul's like, you know what? I have some recording equipment. I can, you know, record. This sounds pretty fucked mm-hmm. up. You know, I'll help you out. She's like, well, great. Well, we're having a... A boring white people party later tonight. How about you come over and when we do that? We're going to have a boring as fuck white party. And we need to make sure we have the cops there in case anything happens. You can bust out bust out your gun and break up no, the I party. Think, I, I think, yeah, he was just, it was purely a date. It was, she didn't. Oh, no. You think she was into him? Yeah. She hated his guts. Of course she was into him. Oh. That's how every good relationship starts. Good, good point. So... I'm sure he was cool at the white people party, right? He didn't do anything weird. No, there was they were uh, doing cool white people dancing. He did, he did a little dance. He was probably there in a suit, right? Yeah, he was oh, in a suit, God. sweating well, his ass. And off. he had his gun. Oh, he brought his gun. Yeah, because he's doing he's when he's doing one of his white people dance moves, like his like blazer goes like out yeah, a little, and, and, and the guy goes, "Oh my God, a gun!" And he's because like there was I guess they were smoking weed there. I don't know. They're and he's like, "Don't worry, I'm off duty. You know, oh, I'm a, I'll look the other Christ. way." And while they're at that party, and we're right now we're like, because we know that the obscene phone call is from Warren, the crazy incel. Yeah. But none of these guys know. So Paul hears a scream. So we, as the audience, are assuming, oh, shit, he came to kill Lori. He came to the party occupied with a bunch of people. He went full-blown crazy, man. But as luck would have it. Just some people have some good old-fashioned white people sex. Oh, good. Leg warmers and everything, I'm sure. Yeah. The guy was wearing scrubs. <laughs> of course he was. So they hit home that it's, uh, you know, they're, they're doctors and nurses. I'm sure after that traumatic experience of having a, uh, somebody hold a gun at their face, they were just like, let's, let's go, right? No, it was like, let's fuck even more. He just immediately went right back at it. Shit, really? Yeah, man. <laughs> Lay her back down. It's like yeah, and they were they're, yeah, lay her back down on the washing machine. They were washing fucking, machine. They were fucking on washing machines. That was a washing machine. Yeah, I thought it was a bed. I thought it was no. a bunk bed. No, it was like a washing machine. It was a. They threw a sheet over <laughs> it, so I couldn't tell. <laughs> I bet he coaxed her into it. It's like, yeah, this is a laundry room, but watch this. Turn, turn around, turn around. Whew, sheet. What does this look like now? Uh, a sheet on a washing machine and a dryer. 
I'm ready to fuck. And they and boy were they. I mean, again, which of course more more gratuitous more, nudity. More we gratuitous in, you know? nudity. Exactly. We're like, oh, man, we haven't seen tits in like 20 minutes. It's been 20 minutes. So, and basically, that was the whole scene was just for that. After after you pull up a gun on somebody, you probably have to leave that party, right? I would. I mean, I would. And I mean, this well, girl's you, into you. Well, yeah, so Maybe they're like, hey, take, hey, let's go back to your place. Take, take her home. So while, like, so Paul's like, finally gonna be, get it and get it on. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, Mister Cockblocker Incel, the guy who if he ain't getting laid, nobody can get laid, calls with another obscene phone call. What? Yeah. Another call. Yeah, but well, fortunately, Paul's there, so they say, hey. Keep, and, of course, it's the classic thing. Keep them on the line as long as you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. we got to track them, and you need to keep them on line for, and they look at their stopwatch or something. It's like 30 seconds, and you get the cuts of, like, the talking and then the stopwatch. And So we have one of the most awkward, obscene phone calls because yeah. she, she's totally into it, and that totally freaks out, incel guy. He's, yeah, she – He's like, they, hey, baby, muchas gracias, burrito enchilada. And she's like – what does that mean? Offensive as fuck. Go and on. you want it's it's Spanish, isn't it? And she, well, do you know what I want to eat your pussy in Spanish is? No, not at all. Well, that's what it was. All right, <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> can anybody get the license plate of that bus you just threw me under? You piece of shit. So anyway, she's like, "Hey, I'm into it. Come on over." And he's, yeah. still, of course, like the pussy that he is. He's totally yeah. freaked out by he, it. He was not expecting her to be like into it because he's all about fear. But she knows he knows, and she knows that she knows that he knows. So she's just playing. She knows <laughs> exactly. She is gonna fuck with his mind. So I, like I don't think dad. I don't. They didn't track the thing. Even if they did, he was calling no. from a payphone, so it wouldn't. No, matter. they didn't. They didn't track it. But they did get a a voice print, as we learn later on. They, they they recorded it. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna break down the science of this movie real quick. I'm gonna go into the science corner. Griff science corner. Okay. They took two recordings of a fucking tap phone. Well, no, they, they, yeah, they had the recording of that, and they had the recording of the interrogation from yes. earlier that we did so well, that great okay. interrogation we did. And so uh, they, what do you do, what do you do, Griff? When you have, well, they're going to go get him again. Well, and, but how? But you got to go explain the whole voice print thing for me. The voice print? Yeah. How, I, how, I, how, give me the technical way they figure it out. I, okay, I'm sorry. I didn't want to jump too far ahead here. But, okay, here's the science behind a voice print. So basically what you got here is a couple of tape recorders side by side because you got to have the two tapes ready to play kind of near the same uh it's very same scientific. Very, very scientific. A child is one of those little machines with a microphone that you would hold up to your mom's radio and record a song you wanted in the band. That's not That's not this machine. That's that's sophisticated. This is very high-tech this police equipment. High tech CSI police shit. Equipment. Well... They basically play one tape on one machine, and they listen to it, and they play machi- tape on the other machine and listen to it, and one guy with a mustache goes, that's him! That's the guy! Bring him in! We got their Bring evidence! That's... Boom! Every jury will be convinced. So, Leo's thinking, you know, this is pretty good, but we... He's like, he knows that he's guilty just by the voice. Yeah. He's like, we need to really... Make sure he cannot get off on a technicality. Yeah. Wilford Brimley makes another 20-second appearance. It's just like... It's his diabetes. It, it, and then he walks off. Like, 
they're like, what could, what could we do? We know this is the guy. We got to get him. And he's like, well, we don't have enough to book him. So you got 30 days. So Bronson's like, the perfect plan. Hmm. 30 days. <laughs> so he's like, shit, all I need is one day. So his, his plan. Yep. Is like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down to the lab, make up some bullshit excuse why I want to be there. Yep. While the pothead guy working there is is looking for something I need. I got some dope evidence down here, bro. Uh, don't worry. I look the, I didn't see anything. I'm cool, kid. Don't worry about it. Groovy. So <laughs> while the pothead is like looking, and he's a pothead, so it takes forever. Bronson goes into the lab where they keep blood samples of the victims, and he takes a little blood from Betty, the first victim, because she has a very rare blood type, AB negative, which we learned earlier in the movie. Yeah. Because you got to remember, this is 83. There was no DNA shit back then. We didn't have the technology. I was asking a lot about the science of that. And, uh, so that I think that's why they made it like a really super rare one, because they're like, oh, of course. you know. So, they, uh, so, so while they, they arrest Warren... I'm assuming that Leo breaks into his apartment, splashes a little of the blood on his clothing. Yeah, on a coat. And then brings it in and is like, we got you dead right. And he's like, of course, and of course, Warren flips the fuck out because he's like, he knows I kill everyone naked. There's no fucking way I have any blood. He knows and we know. So if we're going back to the whole Columbo metaphor here, this is where things get kind of weird. Because obviously, Columbo doesn't plant evidence. (laughs) But... Bronson. Columbo hasn't seen the shit that Leo's Kessler has uh, seen. Oh, Columbo has. Don't <laughs> fuck with Columbo. How many sex crimes has Columbo? Has that ever been, in all the episodes you've seen, has Columbo ever solved a sex crime? Yes. Wow, I didn't. It's pretty bold for 70s yeah, TV. He has. And it was hideous. Was it Kinjite? It was Kinjite. <laughs> Forbidden. I whispered the loud part, <laughs> so I'm just going to do this. Yeah, you, I set you up K- and you fucked Kinjite. it Kinjite. Forbidden. You can do it with me. Right. <laughs> We're really – let's skip over this yes. at this point. Let's get so, really self-indulgent. It really. Um, <laughs> fucking A. So uh, it's like they arrest him. They got the evidence. He goes to court. Paul – but Paul's got some issues. He's like, this seems too open and shut. There, well, yeah. Like the lawyer for Warren starts to come down on, on Paul. He seems to realize that Paul's kind of a weak link. Where he's too fresh and too into the justice system and, like, how it should work and how you should actually have real evidence. And so he starts keening in on Paul and it's just like, hey, man, this is kind of fishy how this came up. Like, where was your partner? And uh, Paul's just like, fuck, he was with me, but now I really don't, I really don't know. He doesn't have the perfect alibi. Right, so he, he so right when the, in the, they're supposed to testify in court, right before Paul goes to uh, Leo, and he's like, "Leo, I just I don't feel right about this. It's there's there's got to be uh, some, uh, you know, are we sure about this?" And Paul goes, "Yeah, I did plant evidence. Big deal. This guy, we know, we got the voice prints. That's yeah. as good as gold." And so, of course, Paul being the idealist, he hasn't seen the shit that Leo's seen. Paul, yeah. He kind of guilt trips him. He's like, Leo, look, I didn't become a cop for this. He's like, I, I took an oath. Yeah. And he's like, well, he's going to lie in there, but he's not a cop. He's a piece of shit. We're better than that, Leo. <laughs> so somehow that works on Leo. So Leo goes into court, and he's like, hey, I, uh, I kind of planted evidence. Yeah, like – 
so Paul's supposed to take the stand. He's a witness. So he's supposed to take the fucking stand. And his conscience is like, I can't, I can't do this. So he kind of, again, Leo, for being the cop he is, he might be a piece of shit, but he can read people well. And so he sees that Paul doesn't want to take the stand and lie. Well, he sees Paul reminds him of the young idealistic cop he used to be. Yeah. And he's just like, what? I feel like there's so a there, lot of things happening. There's there. a lot of shit happening. It's like... He's, the deepest this movie gets. <laughs> yeah, basically. He's like, wow, uh, I I don't want to take this guy down with me. So I'm just going to admit I did it all and yeah. take the fall. So so they fire him. Shock. Like, can you believe that? They fire a cop just for planning evidence. Right. I mean, come on. He... Everybody knew he was convicting the right guy, but he's still, you know, they, they know how the justice wheels have to turn. They get rid of that guy. Um, so he, he takes the fall. He's the celebrity cop that's on the news. Like, oh, like, you know, 72-year cop Leo Kessler is fired for planning evidence. Right. So and, he decides, so him and his daughter are like, fuck it, we're just going to get drunk. I mean, they... This is the first, like, real good bonding experience we see between them. And, and this is where you see, we get back to what we talked about when we did our character studies, they're, they're the same people. Oh, yeah. The because only... she's like, fuck Paul. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Like, we know he's guilty. Who cares if he planted evidence? But Leo, he's like, look, he's a good cop, all right? Yeah. I, I yeah. went across the line. That was an interesting metamorphosis because it's like, okay, so Leo's clearly going down this path of just, like, Fuck it. At the end of the day, I just want justice. And she she was just like, "No, your friend sold you out." And so he kind of switched sides at that uh, after admitting he's, his he's, guilt. He's being reminded of the yeah. young he uh, copy was in 1842 he, when he started. Exactly, 1842. He was when he was he was a sheriff. I don't even go that old. He's a sheriff in I Deadwood. Love that. <laughs> and he's like, you know, you got it wrong. You love this guy. Go fuck him. I don't know. So, so then, <laughs> it, so him. then it gets a little. This is this is my favorite part of the movie. It was great. So as she, he's like, "All right, you're drunk. I'm gonna drive you home." Phone rings. He's like, "I'll be back in a moment." He goes, "Hello, <laughs> hello." <laughs> and then who's on the phone? But that fuck Warren. And he's just like, hey, "I got off, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kill you and your your daughter and all this." He's making all these threats yeah. and shit. Double chipper, you and, can't get me. I'm a free man. <laughs> which is total nonsense, but yeah, that's what he <laughs> believes. So uh, it's Golden Globus logic. Right. Don't worry about so, it. So like, yeah, Golden Globus had no idea what the laws really were. They just they just winged it. I love this about a script though. It's just like, uh, how do we make this a little more tension? Well, uh, let's uh, let's say that you can't convict the guy of the same thing twice, and that there's nothing else you can get. But they out. never convicted him. That's the thing. Oh yeah, you're right. They threw the case out. They threw the case out. They did it for lack of evidence. Oh shit. Or corruption of evidence. Deep. This is a deep movie. So this is where you think he's going to make uh, Leo's life a living hell. No, Leo flips the script and he starts fucking with Warren. Well. I seem to remember a poem at the top of the uh, hour here where I talked about how Bronson is a man when he's on the side of the law, there might be a draw, but if you let him loose, he backs on a noose. Are you, was I trying to foreshadow to what happens to this man? I think that was the only foreshadowing in this movie that actually paid off because none of the other ones did. 
And that wasn't even in the movie. That's, that's how. It's really weird. So yeah, go pat yourself in the back a little more. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm gonna. Hey, Griff. Good so, job. So, like, Leo's like, hey, man, if I can't arrest him, I'm gonna drive this fucking crazy. So he goes, he sneaks into his workplace. Puts up the. Puts up some, like, crime scene pictures yeah. of the murders. And, like, now, we never we never mentioned this, but uh, apparently, for such a genius, this guy was, like, a typewriter repairman at, like, a some kind of, like, typing pool office. I mean, I, I, and he was, and so, and it kind of plays into what a creep he is because yeah, every woman who worked the place hated this guy, thought he was a creep. But it was the perfect beard for a gay man, and he was clearly a was, gay man. Was he? I don't know what the fuck he was. If he was gay, then what was his issue with women? Okay, maybe he was asexual. No, I think his whole problem was sex. I don't know what he was. I thought that's what I think. I don't. I I literally think. They did the movie a disservice by throwing that gay porn mag in because it was they they, really it threw everything off because it made no sense. Maybe they didn't fuck everything up by throwing that in there. They just really wanted to derail you on what you thought about people and sex. No, I don't think I don't think they thought this deeply as we are right now. I don't think we should give discredit going globus on this. I don't know. Anyway, so he, <laughs> he plants the uh, he plants the crime scene photos. Of course, the people at work are like, what the fuck? Why do you have these naked dead women on your like bulletin board? Along with, well, I, hey, this gets back to it. He had a lot of pictures of muscle guys on there, too. That was like his like normal pictures. Oh, did he? It was like bodybuilder pictures. Oh, shit. I don't, I don't, I don't know. This is a very gender-fluid uh, villain because I don't know what the fuck's going on with him. So he's he looks out. Over. He's like, God damn you, Leo. And he looks out the window. And there's Charles Bronson. Of course, like Bronson's standing <laughs> right outside there. Just... Just lounging. Hey, I'm a retired copy. I uh, I've been off the force for a few years. He's not now. retired. He's a fired cop, but he well, didn't get his pension because he got fired. Oh shit! You wouldn't. Oh god damn it! Yeah, they look. They kind of frowned upon planting evidence and getting caught. Well, I thought Wilford Brimley might slide. I'm like, hey, I feel bad because well, your mustache I think sucks they... ass and mine is great. So maybe we'll give you half your pension. No. No, Doesn't that didn't happen. That well, they help him out later in the movie, but that's later on. So this makes Warren snap. He's like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna kill that guy's goddamn daughter." Yeah, he he's he can't handle for such a smart guy. Well, he's a smart guy because he sets up an alibi with this. What, the, wait, the first alibi? Well, he yeah he does the thing where he's like he's like I'm gonna what I'm gonna do is to throw everyone off. I'm going to go pick up a prostitute. Oh, this alibi. I'm going to take her, because this is his move, like, so everyone knows I'm doing something. Right. He takes her to this flea bag motel. Bronson's tailing him. By he knows time. Bronson. I thought it was just to throw Bronson off the trail. Well, yeah, but yes, he, he, no, I think this is, he wants to set up an alibi, because he's oh. all. You know so, what? You're right. So he drugs the prostitute. This, yeah, you were right. We, were, we didn't know at the time if she murdered the prostitute or drugged her. I think he drugged her so she would be his alibi. No, it was definitely drugged. Yeah. It was, it was, I, I, He's like, here, here, drink this. Like, he was like rot gut, like whiskey. Yeah, yeah it was. And then, was he, then you see here. him like pour it in the toilet, his like thing. He, he poured himself a shot and then he dumped it in the toilet and then he dumped a whole bottle in the toilet just to plant like <laughs> she drank a whole bottle of whiskey. A, you vomit when you drink that much. I, I'm an experienced self. Meanwhile, he has a woman right here willing to fuck him. He already paid her. He's like, once again, incel logic. He's like, no, that's not good enough for me. Well, yeah. No, there's a stigma. 
again, it's the prostitute. Well, there so. shouldn't be. There's t- I've read too much about the incel movement. It's a, very, it's a very disturbing thing where it's just like, no, women should legitimately want me for who I am because I'm a nice guy because I'll treat them better than those shitheads who treat them like shit. And it's like, you verbally abuse these people. Like, this is seriously like an over-dramatization of it, but this is basically how you talk about women you find attractive or it's like, well, she's not into me, so you know what? Fuck her and fuck everything about her, and she deserves to die and have her slit throat. Wow. <laughs> what just happened there? I have no idea. Getting back to the movie. Yeah, let's get back to we the movie. We kind of got off the beaten track path with that. So, Bron- and you pointed this out. Bronson did a very un-Bronson move. He show- he's, he's following him. He's, every- he's like one step behind him. Yeah. He goes to the lobby... And he's like, where did that guy go? And he's like, who? I don't know any guy. And, and instead oh. of doing a, the Bronson move should be Thank you. hurling a chair at the guy uh, and saying, tell it's me. Not a girl. It's not a guy. It's a girl. It's another prostitute. No, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm talking about when he's at the Fleabag Motel. Oh, yeah, okay. I thought you were talking about the prostitute because he does hey, the prostitute first and pays her no, off. No, I don't think Bronson would beat up a prostitute. No, I don't think e- think that either. That's a good point. He you might know, threaten to run her in or something like that. I am but. sorry for roping us down this path because you were right to skip <laughs> over it because that is not a Bronson move. But the second part that you were going into. <laughs> yeah, like normally he would just hurl a chair, the nearest chair at this guy's face. Yes. And the guy would go, oh, he's room two, two, two. So he just gives him a 20. Not worthy of mentioning, but it has to be mentioned. It was Blue from uh, Old School, that movie with Will Ferrell. I, well, that's a, I noticed him as he was the uh, drunk guy from Escape from New York said, yes. I'm the president, wasn't he? Right. wasn't he? Oh, my God. That guy's been old forever. <laughs> like, Bronson's been old forever, too, but he's always been surgering it up so he looks younger. That old dude has had that face for 30 years, and I love him for that. Me too. Okay. Get him back to the movie. Because <laughs> we're getting to the final scene. Oh. So, so uh, Warren's like, all right, now I'm going to kill Lori. So he shows up at her apartment with all her like, roommates, buck-ass naked, because that's his demo, that's how it rolls, and a, and a well, bouquet of flowers. I love that we got to see him actually strip down. <laughs> like, he enters the, uh, it's like a nurse's apartment, let's call it. Yeah, And so like he, he starts stripping down in the staircase and putting his clothes uh, on the like, window Meanwhile, Not evidence at all. That's not evidence. Uh, well, on top of it, he never, like, goes, maybe somebody will actually come out a door, see a naked guy, and freak out. Like, yeah, he's just like, no, oh, no, I got it covered. That. Don't worry about that. So he goes to the door. He's got a bouquet. So when they look through the people, all they see is a bouquet oh, in his he's face. He's still dressed at that point. No, he's naked. He was naked yes. with the bouquet? That's because that's the point of having the bouquet. So he's held it up so they couldn't see his body. Ah. Very smart and I, and guy. Here's a little fun fact for you, too. The blonde who answers the door, is her most famous role is playing... John Travolta's wife for the past 30 years. Oh. That's John Travolta's real-life wife. Oh, Jesus. And also, the black roommate was the girl no. from Michael Jackson's Thriller. What? Yes. So if you've ever wanted to see, because, of course, it's been 20 minutes since we have any tits shown. If you ever wanted to see the girl from Thriller naked, she's naked in this movie. She takes a shower. You, you do get to, I, This is a very Golden Globus movie, and there's a lot of gratuitous nudity. And yes. so... Well, I, you know what? I think I think you were onto something earlier. 
it's like for every like minute of male butt they had to show. I think they feel like we got to put some tits in. It really was. We have they, to like balance it. If it. we went, if we were because this nudity, girl, male nudity was integral to the plot. Yes, and I was very appreciative of that. Like I love, I love that they stuck to this character's mo of he gets naked and he kills people, and they stuck to that. And they have like four or five scenes where he just strips down and is stabbing people. Um, but yeah, they certainly did. They, they the, the the old seesaw nudity, a lot of a lot of guy butt, a lot of tits. I don't know how like the equivalency there. I don't know. Somebody with less time on their hands can do that for it, us. Exactly. We're very busy putting this together. We're. Whew, whew, the so preparation busy. that goes into so this, busy. you wouldn't even believe. So. Flowers, door. Warren busts in, immediately kills John Travolta's wa- uh, oh, wife. Jesus Christ. Did he just stab her? Yeah, he stabbed the shit out of stabbed her. The- oh, God. And then, so then he grabs it. Meanwhile, Lori's in, like, the other room. So she doesn't, she hears it, but she, you know. She's in the kitchen. She doesn't know that eggs. she's there. So, yeah. she, so she's like, oh, shit. And she, like, kind of hides in that room. She's, yeah, she's keeping quiet. And her uh, her other roommate is like he's like where is she and she's like she's she's at nursing school she's not here she's at the hospital good, and like you're lying to me what a good friend exactly man and then meanwhile black girl from Thriller I'm sorry I don't remember her name she is in the the shower so he thinks that's that's yeah. Lori so he runs in opens it up stabs the shit out of her I feel bad for these ladies though because their bathroom. Like, they have this dorm set up where it's like they have a living room, four beds in the living room. And they were like hospital beds, too. Yeah. And then, like, it was like their living room arrangement. A couple couches and, like, a TV. It's not a big room at all. Kitchen had, like, kind of partitioned off. The bathroom was, like, an open walkway, a couple of showers, a couple of toilets. So that kind of sucks, right? Like, Well, they're dead now, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, okay. So it's just... Yeah. So he goes, you were lying to me, kills the other girl. Lori, she, like, flips, like, the power switch. The power goes out. He he kills. He, like, throws the one girl, opens the shower, kills the thriller girl, kills uh, the, the girl who he he feels Dude, that lied to him. Man. Right. Uh, and then, yeah, Lori that, throws yeah. the switch. Oh, did you? Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> There's so much violence happening, it's hard to keep track of. So, Lori makes it out of the room, barely, almost gets killed, but she gets out, she's running. Meanwhile, Leo is hightailing it to to her place, because he knows this is where he's going to be, because he wants to kill his daughter, because he, he told him, he's like, I'm going to kill your daughter. Yeah. So, this is, what, this is what I love. This is where, okay, Lori's running, hauling ass. Warren is following her, hauling ass, buck ass naked, hauling ass. Leo shows up. Jogging like an old man jog. <laughs> of course he does. He does what I call Jason speed from Friday the Thirteenth, where speed. he just walks super slow. Yet somehow he gets ahead of them. Always grabs Lori, pulls the gun out. Warren's like, "You can't kill me. I give up. I'm crazy. They'll, you know, they're not gonna put me away. I'll put me away for five years, and I'll be out. And I'm gonna kill you again. And I'm gonna get you." Yeah, he basically unreve- like reveals his whole plan of like because the lawyer kind of set this up earlier in the movie. They did actually set yeah. this up. This is one of the few things that they set up earlier in the movie and pays off later. Uh, not to say Roger Ebert is right about this movie being bad. He's a fuck all. He's dead. Oh, 
Shit, he's not the alive one? They're both dead. Oh. Roger Ebert died last. But uh, fuck. He, had really, he, he really paid for trash in this movie because he had really fucked up cancer and lost his jaw. Oh, God, that's right. Uh, oh, I feel bad for shitting on him now. Uh, oh, shit. Well, the New York Times person who said this movie's bad is terrible. Roger <laughs> Ebert will give a pass. Um, the other person's no. terrible because this is one of the few things they set up really well where the lawyer told him, like, hey, if this doesn't work out, then you can plead insanity. Meanwhile, this isn't how the insanity plea works at all. This is going Globus logic. <laughs> Again, they just they just like, wait, how can we get this guy out of it? Well, my friend at a bar one time told me about the insanity plea. I don't know. Yeah, if you just say you're insane, you don't go to jail. I don't know how it works at that, all. That's not how it works. But I'm pretty sure you just show up to the trial and go, I'm insane, and wear no. maybe a helmet and like some no. some elbow. Pads. Even if you're insane. It doesn't matter. What matters is if you know whether you know the difference between good and bad. And obviously this guy does because he just said, I'm going to come and kill you after I get out of the insane asylum. So we've got an ins- a quote-unquote insane person admitting his insanity, although he is naked in the middle of a street, brandishing a knife, chasing a woman, confronted now by an ex-cop who he's just told his whole plan to, to this ex-cop. There is now pr- police cops. Uh, all around, yeah. They're surrounded all, by cops. Cops finally sur- show up. They're surrounded. So Bronson goes, as he gives his whole plan, I'm going to be out. He's like, no, you won't. And just fucking shoots him in the head. Shoots him in the head. So Right in front of like 50 cops. Keep Bear in mind, he's not a cop anymore. He got fired. How do you think this result? This is where credits roll. But I'm really curious. What happened after the credits? Because if I were watching this, like, we watched this movie separately, I would have been up all night. I was, I'm, I'm sorry, I was up all night. I would have kept Murray up all night talking to him about this because what were they trying to say here? Does he get away with it? Or do the cop buddies let him off? He was you want right. my take on he it? He was right I, the whole time. I think they cover for him. I think they go... Well, we clearly saw this guy had a knife, and he was lunging at, you know, I and mean, he was self-defense. He's, he's covered in blood. He has to be. I mean, I don't, they don't show a lot, a lot of his areas. He has to be covered in blood. I mean, I don't know Paul, who, by the way, just disappeared from the movie. Paul's gone at this point. He might have an issue with it and be like, you have to, like, turn yourself in. But I think his, his cop brother, bros are going to be like, dude, we got yeah. it covered. We're going to rely for you. They did set up that Paul's the only one with a conscience who's like, no, we got to hold up to the justice. Wilford Brimley's like, you ain't going to jail. Yeah, I, th- I'm on the same page. It's just like, I feel like his cop buddies were like, and they should cover for him. The guy I, was gonna like. Okay. The guy was not gonna stop until he killed him and his daughter. So we agree on that. Clearly, they figure out a way to give him his pension. I don't know about that. And he goes off into the sunset. I, he probably goes and starts that bar that he wanted to start in Ginjate. <laughs> oh, him and Norma. Yeah, maybe that's how the double R starts. That ends up in Twin Peaks. Is it double R? I think it's double R. Yeah, because by then Bronson probably be dead. So. Yeah, mm. we we solved it. Wow, we just we just wrote a sequel. To, it's called Five to Five to Midnight. Five <laughs> Five to Midnight. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a sequel. It's closer get, to midnight. I got. We could call it Midnight. Shit, you're right. But I then was, I want a third movie. So that's uh, Midnight. I'm used to thinking of doubling, but yeah, you're right. You're right. You're, you're yeah, we're getting closer to midnight. 
Wow. So uh, we just made this movie incredibly enticing for every one of our Another listeners. canon classic. Uh, this movie. I'm, by the way, Griff, I'm so happy that this panned out. Cause I, I, you know I'm a big Charles Bronson fan, and I Huge. was so bummed out about that Kinjite thing. Like, Are we ever going to be able to do a Charles Bronson? We have to do a Charles, Charles Bronson canon movie. His movies are a little bit scary to cover because they're... They seem to always involve sex crime. At least his canon ones do. Yes, exactly. His canon ones always involve some kind of sex crime. Um, but this one, I mean, kind. Yeah, I guess it didn't really. Uh, no sex was, crime. The only yeah. sex crime was that fucking fuck machine he had. Yeah. <laughs> That oh, was a crime boy. against nature. <laughs> I, look, you're you're going too far with it. According to Bronson, it's a crime against nature. According to me, it's just whatever. I'd uh, rather he fuck that than stab ladies. So, anyway, What was it for again? What was it for? Uh-huh. It was for jacking off, uh-huh. isn't it? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Charles Bronson, leave the fucking studio. First man. of all, you... This is the shit on what you just said. He was using an and-killing lady, so... I, Booyah and, doesn't do anything to stop people from killing. It, it might cause people to kill. We don't know he was using it. We don't know. <laughs> oh, he just had it. He just admired it from afar. We don't know he was using the gay mags first, either. First of all, I hope he wasn't using it because Bronson did not have gloves on when he picked it. It could thing have up. been misdirection. He could have been thinking steps ahead. Because no, maybe he was, was ahead of Bronson, and then Bronson swooped over it's him. It's just showing you what a great cop Bronson was. It just with that, he knew that he didn't even have any. All, all the only information he had was that, and he knew it, and he was right. <laughs> he was right. That's because his old conservative brain is fucking just ridiculous. Nope. <laughs> so I disagree. Okay, that's fine. We could have a Bronson argument at a later point. But um, if you do want to indulge in this wonderful movie, which I I think you should, do you agree? I agree. I I think this is a very, very fun movie to get through. I mean, obviously, it's not about fun things, but it's it's an enjoyable movie. Very enjoyable. Um, uh, again, it's topical. It's got an incel in it. It's got kind of that warped. Yeah, if you ever hear just, about like you, like me, you just you just heard the phrase incel. You're like, what is this about? This movie will explain it for you. Uh, yeah, really well. It, it's just these people with, with this extreme like view of like, well, women don't want me, so clearly all women are terrible, and I have to hate all. Wo- it's horrible. It's like the same uh, like shade people like to cast on all feminists where they're just now shading it on to all these guys who decided that, you know, it's like all that bad stuff, but it usually does kind of incorporate all the incels, and they're usually self-described incels. That's the worst part is they realize that this is going too far. So if you want to see this movie, it looks like it is available on Amazon or Apple TV for two ninety nine or three ninety nine, respectively. It's a bargain. Uh, that's a bargain. Just rent this movie. Just buy it on Blu-ray, for fuck's sake. You probably could buy it on Amazon for five bucks and just own it. Well, don't say Amazon. They're not one of our sponsors. Just say you can buy it. Hold on. Jeff Bezos here doing a commercial for the Golden Globus Theater. Jeff Fuck Bezos. you, Jeff. Fuck you and he- your slave labor. Jeff, you, you, your slave labor is a little controversial. Well, don't worry about that. None of your that. warehouses help any of the cities that they come to. Fuck you. Well, buddy, you brought me in here to tell I you. I didn't bring you here for anything. Leave. Griff brought me here 
I showed up here unintended uh, to tell you guys that this movie's a Which is it? Are you unintended or did Griff bring you in here? You don't know what you're saying. Get out of my studio now. Okay. I'm glad we got rid of that guy <laughs> because he kept throwing me under the bus, and I don't get that. Jeff Bezos, fucking weirdo. I don't like him, and I don't like his pop. Let's go on. Speaking of weirdos, oh, Griff. Boy. Yeah. I'm going to start talking about the next episode. Oh, God. Are we going to bring a weirdo on? Well, we're going to have a very – I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to say we have a very special guest. This is the first time we're going to have a guest guest uh, commentator. A I'd, real guest. A real live human being. We need a That's third. all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You hold have to on, tune hold, in. Hold, hold. We need a third mic. Yes, we do need a third Woo! mic. Boy. Wow. So what are we going to be looking at? Well, we're going to be we, – of course, whenever we have guests on, it's guest choice. So we're going to be watching our guest's favorite canon movie, the 1987, I Who believe. Here's what year it came out. <laughs> I do. That's why I'm saying it. Good point. Classic Masters of the Universe. <laughs> I'm excited. Based on the He-Man cartoon and toy line. Well, I... I actually saw this movie in the theaters, Griff, so I'll have... I'll have Opinions on I've those. got a lot of questions for you and surprise guest, uh, third Mike man, because I I don't know that much about He Man at all. I'll, well, all I, I, know, I know I if I know our guest and I know him pretty well. He will have everything you need to know about Skeletor, and I know about a certain YouTube video that continues for ten minutes. That's going to be the opening and closing because I fucking edit this shit. So deal with that. But I don't listen to these. So that's I'm fine. Trying. Great. Thank you for your number. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, join us next week after yeah. we have our bellies full of East Bay Rays. We'll be bringing this beautiful podcast right back yeah. to you. As always, thank you for listening. Spread the word and keep it warm. Keep, keep it cold. <laughs>